Impossible! The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The laugh. doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two of the program on this Thursday. T.C. Martin, ballpark slash VGK Frank here. Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. And uh, we've got it going on here. Don't forget to join us tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Our Friday home. Come on out and join us. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, in the house tomorrow. So we will have uh, some fun with that. And uh, Golden Knights will be back in action again tomorrow night. So we will uh, preview that for you as well, too. A little back-to-back action for them, taking on San Jose. Yeah, yeah, back-to-back. Not back-to-back jacks, but, you know. So I guess the question is, will Flurry start back-to-back nights? And see, that's where we finally say no. He finally gets his, his break. But, uh, again, uh, fantastic last night, Mark andre Flurry. All right, so we'll dive into some VGK talk this hour as well as the Golden Knights win again last night. Their 14th victory of the year. They've won 10 out of their last 13. First place in the in the West, and that was a, a huge game last night. Again, because, you know, anytime you can separate yourself from the second-place team with two victories in a row, uh, fantastic. And now Minnesota 12-8 12, 12 and eight in the second place. I, I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed in Minnesota's effort. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought Vegas outplayed them. I... I I knew Parisi wasn't in the game, so I didn't know how that would affect him. But I thought Minnesota, after that heartbreaking loss, was going to come out like gangbusters, and they just didn't. So here's my question for both you and our next guest. Were you more disappointed in their effort, their play last night, or the uniforms that they were wearing, their sweaters last night? I wasn't that disappointed mm-hmm. in their in their uniforms. It's, it's old I, school. I, I didn't particularly like it that much, mm-hmm. but they were paying honor to the old Minnesota North Stars. Thank you, which for, I love, by the way. Yeah, so for people that don't remember them, long before the Dallas Stars, it was the Minnesota North mm-hmm. Stars, and of course, obviously, long before the Minnesota Wild. So from that aspect, because I went up to the Met Center, we would take road trips up to Minnesota when they had Dino Cicerelli and, and some of the other players on that Minnesota team when the Blackhawks in Minnesota had the rivalry so, um, again, I wouldn't buy one of those jerseys, but because I knew what it symbolized in that, I thought it was actually kind of cool that they were basically paying tribute to a team that had left the city and wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I think those are the older ones, too, because that wasn't the one last night with the N. Right? Yeah, with there the was, N with it, the start. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I really liked yeah. you know, back in the day. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us. He's hanging out at Sunset Station doing his due diligence like he does each and every day with the Station Casino's properties. What is going on, my man? All good, boys. It's uh, good to be on with you. And I kind of agree. I, I like their uniforms, though. I like the old uh, North Stars. And although it was a little bit different without the N, I think the color scheme, though, they were uh, skating up and down the ice. It looked exactly like the old North Star uniforms, which was kind of cool. You got it. All right, Chuck. Let's talk a little Vegas Golden Knights here. They have been money at the sports book, and we know that's normally the case where you know fans are going to bet uh, their favorite team. And despite what the prices are, even though the prices were relatively uh, short uh, for these two games against uh, Minnesota, talk a little about Golden Knights uh, on the ice and Golden Knights at the window. 
Well, they've been um, they've been really good. I mean, I, I think you look at the action that you know we've generated with the Knights guys. It's uh, it's crazy. Um, you know, I think of their of their 14 wins, seven wins. Um, they've actually covered the the puck line, and and seven wins have been by one goal. So uh, when it's by one goal, it's always a little bit better for us. Although I'm a huge Knights fan from from our side of the counter, um, many Knights were rooting against them, especially um, on the uh, on the puck line. Um, as far as the total goes, they've kind of been over betters as well. We've seen them go, I think, uh, uh, ten overs and nine unders in that stretch. So um, you know they're uh, they've been kind of steady as far as that goes. But uh, you look at the four straight wins coming up with a couple of big wins against the Wild, especially that first one against the Wild team that had won six in a row. Um, I said it when the season started, guys, and I'm still sticking by it. It is critical for whatever team wins the West to win the West because whoever finishes two and three is going to have to play each other, um, and I think it's going to be a much more difficult task. Although, of course, you look at the Avalanche right now who's sitting fourth, but they've got a few games in hand against the Blues and Wild. When you're talking about how sometimes on your side of the counter you root against them a little bit, how was that other game when they were down 4-2 to two and they came back to win? Were a lot of people taking advantage of that in the in-game wagering and that? Because it seemed to me like Minnesota completely took their, their foot off the gas, and when Haig got that third goal at that point, I thought they could easily find a way to come back and win this one. Yeah, same, uh, Ballpark. There was still enough time in that game when Haig scored that uh, they easily could do that, and I kind of thought the same thing. But that's kind of, you know, historic in all sports. When you see uh, the favorite in a game be up by or be down by a lot of points, um, in-game becomes a popular option for, for betters to get a much more lucrative or advantageous price, uh, and they do play that. And that was definitely the case in the Knights game. Having a win by just the one goal um, for all the, the, the pre-event wagering was still good for us, um, but in-game was not as they did come back and win that game. All right, he is Chuck Esposito, Sunset Station. Chuck, let's talk a little bit about uh, the NBA here. It seems very strange. It just seems like the All-Star game just kind of come came up on us very, very quickly here. Not used to it at this time of year. And then again, it's very, very lackluster. The three-point contest, in my opinion, is kind of overtaking not only the game and the slam dunk contest. We look at the participants in the three-point shootout, and you've got Steph Curry, and you've got you know some you know, some modern names, some, some great uh, shooters there. But then you look at the slam dunk contest, I believe only three contestants. I would say that the, the average NBA follower doesn't even know who these guys are. Talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend. And has the do you, do you anticipate that the betting action is going to suffer this year because of those things? You know, it's hard to say, guys. Um, uh, All-Star Weekend in the NBA, I mean, it's, it's always such an exhibition as far as scoring goes. Um, I, I think you'll still see, you know, that take place. Um, you know, it hurts not having a full slate of, of NBA games this weekend, um, of course. But there's a lot of parity in the league now. You, you look at the Eastern Conference, and, you know, I know the Nets got a lot of action early on with the moves they made. Um, but having the Sixers on top is a little intriguing. And out West, having the Jazz and Suns. I mean, the Suns finished so strong in the bubble last year and almost were able to sneak into the playoffs with huge odds. Um, they're on a three-game winning streak right now. They're right behind the Jazz. Um, and there, there is a little bit more parity at the top, especially on both sides. 
When it comes to uh, those future odds, is there any team right now that um, could be a liability or could hurt you? Because when you mentioned the Jazz, I would think that that's a team, I don't know exactly what their odds were at the start of the season, but I'm sure that they've probably come down quite a bit with the way that they've got out of the gate. They have ballpark. They actually opened up around in the, in the 28 to 30 to 1 range, maybe a little bit higher um, industry-wide. So absolutely, there was some value on the Suns. I think we chatted about it. Um, Nuggets, uh, Mavericks. They look for some teams kind of in that mid-range. You're always going to get some favorite play, but you're always looking for some value there. And those teams definitely possess some value out west. I think when you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, same thing. I mean, the four teams in the top aren't a huge surprise. Um, but after that, having the Knicks as a 500 team, you know, having Chicago right on the cusp of that, um, it, it's, uh, there's some value plays out there that we saw the betters bet uh, before the season started. But uh, the Jazz at 28 or 30 to 1, if you have a ticket on them right now, you've got kind of a smile on your face, I think, at the midway point. You know, speaking of the Jazz, you know, Chuck, they are the team that is really rolling right now and still kind of under the radar with, with a lot of just casual NBA fans. But they, they have been phenomenal and they've been beating down opponents. Have the Jazz been getting a, uh, I guess, a lot of action, no matter what the line is? And have you guys had to shade some of these lines? And I'm going back to like when the Warriors were so dominant. You would see the Warriors always just, you know, big double-digit favorites, especially when they were at home, and even laying some some uh, you know good amount of points even on the road. Has has a Jazz got that same type of thing that the Warriors have seen over the last few years? I don't think it's quite to that extent, guys, just because the Warriors had become such a um, public team and we're, uh, you know, a defending champion and we're just scoring at, you know, a record pace. I think when you look at the Jazz, the one thing that up until recently, the little hiccup they had, uh, they were phenomenal uh, against, uh, against the number. I think the two teams with the highest winning percentage against the number are both in the Western Conference and both sit at 1-2, and that was Jazz Suns, but the Jazz were, were uh, about 10 points ahead of the Suns. So it does translate a little bit, but not quite as much as it did with the Warriors. When it comes to these future odds and that, and you're looking at teams right now, obviously the Lakers, the defending champions out there, is this a team that you think has backtracked a little bit and they're not as good right now? Or is it just a team that they're coming off the winning it all last year, their main concern is just get into the playoffs and get healthy at that point and then start playing playoff basketball? I think that's exactly it, ballpark. I think, you know, of course, if you can finish number one, great. But I, but I think in the Lakers' case, you know, looking at the injury to Davis and uh, and as dominant as, as LeBron has been, I think, hey, it's, it's like those Bulls teams. After they had won a few titles and they had posted, you know, the 70 wins, it was just kind of, you know, having that swagger, playing some good basketball, and being healthy when the postseason rolled around. And I think that's the most important thing for the Lakers right now. They're good enough where they don't have to be seated, you know, number one to have every game at home. I think they know that they can win on the road. They're dangerous in any spot that they're in. Let's just be healthy and be ready to play postseason basketball. And I think that's the case for the Lakers and some of the other teams as well, especially in the Eastern Conference. All right, Chuck, let's transition over to the college uh, game. As we know, we have conference tournaments uh, beginning this weekend and full-fledged conference tournaments next weekend. we got the WCC tournament that's going to start here tonight. But, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about UNLV's game last night. Uh, talk about a bad beat if uh, 
you you had the Rebels last night, or, or San Diego for that matter. Uh, the Aztecs, the number was right around nine and a half, and the Aztecs were leading pretty much by double digits all the way through. And then uh, they only win by nine last night. I know one of our loyal listeners, one of our compadres, was uh, a little crazy last night because he got beat by the hook. <laughs> the hook is big in all sports, boys, as you as you well know, but. Uh, San Diego State, uh, you know, they're a good team. They're you're right on the on the border there, being a top twenty team. Um, I, I think this year, you know, you look at as dominant as um, as Gonzaga's been, and and the way Michigan has played, there was definitely some value in Michigan um, with their with their preseason odds. Um, you know, some of those big schools that you're used to seeing up there, the Kansas and the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Novas have really struggled a little bit this year. So, I mean, this is a year that you look at a dominant team like Gonzaga and Baylor and some of the other schools that have been a little bit of a, a surprise. Um, I think it opens it up that, that the tournament's going to be fun. Definitely a, a different format with the, the kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the first weekend, and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, weekend two. But uh, this is going to be interesting, guys. I think without having it last year and all the games in Indy and maybe not as many late games um, with the three-hour difference, uh, there's a lot of schools that I think can make some noise in this year's tournament. You know, and it's interesting, too, because before the tournament, like TC mentioned with the conference tournaments coming up here, it's got to be quite different making odds, for instance, on Gonzaga and how do you make them low enough to uh, to get betting action on it as opposed to something like the Big Ten where you can throw half a dozen teams in there and almost any one of them can win it. Yeah, it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast right now, ballpark. I mean, I think – you know, Gonzaga's been so dominant, and you look at that conference, they have been for a while and not quite as competitive as, as maybe we've seen in the past, but uh, that's just it. You know, we're still looking to put the best two-way number on the board. Uh, in their case, it's going to be a, a much bigger number, and I think, you know, you look at championship week and then the tournament starting, it's such a great time to get signed up for the STN mobile app. You're going to have so many games condensed into a, a short period of time and early start times, maybe even earlier uh, start times because of the time difference and, and no West Coast. We've got that, you know, our biggest bonus ever, that $500 bonus for, for new signups. Uh, so get signed up, man. It's such a great time. They have the SCN Mobile. And now we've got the kiosks in all of our racing sports books too, um, industry-wide, which really you can beat the line by just going up to one of those kiosks and placing your bets. Well, speaking of which, Chuck, I touched upon it a little bit earlier. I was at dinner at uh, one of the fine establishments uh, there at the station properties last night, and I said, I-, I need to have a little action. So I was perusing the board, went to my app last night, got my action in on Oregon over UCLA last night, USC over Stanford. Thank goodness for the app, the STN app. I was all over it last night. So thank you very much, That's- my friend. There you go. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> hey, let's talk a little bit about these uh, the conference tournaments here. And, and really, you're, you're having no fans, okay? And we're having some traditional venues for the conference tournaments before we get to March Madness like you talked about, everything in the bubble in Indianapolis. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Big Ten, for example. I mean, legitimately, there are six teams that could win this tournament. You could say what you want about Michigan, but coming off the the waxing that they got to Illinois, I really believe, and I may be in the minority here, but I really believe that that there's like maybe 
you know, maybe three or four of these teams that that could uh, win the Big Ten tournament. It could be Iowa. It actually could be Wisconsin if they hunker down defensively. You know, Illinois. I mean, they're on fire right now as well too. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it's that it's only Michigan. And don't forget about a team like Michigan State. Even though I think Michigan gets payback tonight against Sparty, but Sparty's played very very well the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it's it's so much about the rivalry guys and and I think this year again with the with the no fans and it's just different. And um you're right, Illinois is playing really well. They've won what three in a row. You look at Purdue's been on a little bit of a streak. Um I think there's a lot of parity in a lot of these conferences that um Michigan I think just because of the value of where they were before the season started um, and you've seen those odds drop so dramatically. Um, but uh, the Big Ten is going to be fun to watch. And you, I think you can make a case, guys, maybe for for seven or eight teams in the Big Ten that um, you know might make it interesting come championship week. When it comes to the Big Ten, obviously everybody wants to win the tournament. You want to go into the big dance on a high note. But it seems to me like as much as playing to try to win the Big Ten tournament – a lot of these teams are playing to solidify or improve their seedings because we know that a bunch of them are already going. Where they're going to be seeded could be a question for maybe one or two of them. Yeah, I think so, but I think it's going to be so much different this year, Ballpark, because you know you're, you're not worried about potentially getting um, you know shipped shipped out west or, or having to play games in a different time zone and and far away. Everything's in Indianapolis this year, so. You're going to be in a more concentrated area. I think the games are going to be a lot closer together, um, based on just the number of venues and not, and you know, with a three-hour time difference. So, kind of interesting to see. I think you'll be jockeying a bit for for ratings, for rankings, but you're not worried about you know maybe getting moved to a um, to to an area that's a little bit further away. You know, Chuck, we got the WCC tournament coming up here, and Gonzaga's not going to play until the semifinals with that double bye on on Monday. I know you have, you're not thinking about putting up a number just yet because you got to see how the rest of it unfolds here before their game on Monday. But any concern about maybe maybe putting up not too high of a number on the Zags in that semifinal game because Mark Fuse was very adamant, but hey, he did not want to come here. He wanted basically to have the teams come up to uh, Spokane, did not want to travel. This is a team that says, hey, we want to make sure we're going to be healthy, healthy for Indianapolis. Uh, maybe this is a team that may not be blowing out you know, teams in this tournament. You don't know how motivated they are going to be because clearly their focus is on Indianapolis. It, it is, but, I mean, you're talking about a team that's, you know, what, 24-0, I think 15-0 in the conference. They're just a really, really good team. They've got tremendous balance, understand why he wanted – other schools to go up there and have to play, um, but there's only I think three teams in that league that are that are you know that are really in it that that have a chance to maybe be competitive with them. So you know even on some of their bad nights, guys, they can still roll over some of these schools. Right, right, all right. Chuck, uh, March Madness obviously is is great, and this is a booming time for the city. It's booming time for the sports books here. And I know back to the conference tournaments, when you have a lot of these fans and teams who normally come here to support the Mountain West Conference, the Pac-12, and you have a lot of them staying on, on your property here, do you think that the conference tournament wagering, say for the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, and even the WCC is going to suffer a little bit because you're not going to have you know, a full capacity with all these fans coming in? 
You know, it, it's hard to say, guys. I think, you know, the big advantage is, is the mobile app that um, guests don't have to be on property. And, you know, we've seen such an uptick in, in handle across the board with that. But, yeah, I think it definitely has to, 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 have, to hurt somewhat when you don't have those, those fan bases out here um, for all these schools with all the games being played out here. But, you know, with no tournament last year, I think everybody's kind of excited, and I know we are from our side of the counter. We're offering our last man standing contest again with 100% back. Um, so I think you're still going to see really, really good handle overall in the tournament. Uh, just don't know, you know, where you get in comparison uh, to the last one. When it comes to the people coming out here and that, have you seen any numbers for hotel rooms and that? And, and if they don't come out here for the conference tournaments, quite as many as they used to in the past, what do you think it's going to be like for the NCAA tournament? Because, uh, there, you know, things are opening up a little bit, and everybody's always said, you know, if you can't be at a certain event, Vegas is the next best place to be, the next best place to be, period. You know, understanding there is some still restrictions in place, guys, and I, I, I haven't seen the uh, um, the hotel numbers. Um, I just know that, you know, again, um, the, the mobile app, I think, you know, having STN Mobile and having the app and being able to play from, from anywhere. We love it when the guests come in and enjoy everything we have to offer, not only here at Sunset, but all of our properties. Um, but the app just, you know, gives you that extra. It brings the book to you, and I think there's going to be a lot more early starting times. And I think even even the format, you know, going to the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday uh, could have an impact as well. You were kind of used to that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the first two weekends. Now you've got games early in the week um, on back-to-back weeks. So uh, that's going to be a little different. But overall, hey, after not having it last year, boys, I'm excited that we have it. And, again, looking forward to, to seeing the guests that come in and understanding there still are some social distancing uh, protocols in place and things are a little bit different. But uh, we're excited to have uh, – um, hoops madness coming up in a few weeks. Right, exactly. And uh, and we know that you don't have the, the full-fledged parties and that sort of thing, Chuck, but uh, do you have anything that's maybe get, getting close to that where, again, occupancy, or not occupancy, I guess occupancy, like in the book in, in certain places, uh, are you offering, you know, viewing in any of the other rooms even at a limited capacity? You know, guys, it's more about the book right now. I think that, you know, the hope is that hope by football season we'll be able to uh, – to kind of move forward and, and, and do some of these events that we love doing here, if it's our viewing parties or, or seminars or um, anything else that we have to offer. Uh, so we're looking forward to it and can't wait to get everybody back and, and having some fun. And I think the atmosphere, again, for the tournament is going to be terrific. All right, looking forward to it. Get the STN mobile app if you don't have it already. Like Chuck said, uh, one of the great sign-up bonuses $500. If you don't have it yet, you can get up to that, right, Chuck? This is an amazing offer. Absolutely. Up to $500 bonus. So it, it's just such a great thing. You know, it really does bring the sports book to, you know, to the guest. And I can't stress enough, boys. I love it when everyone comes out. But if you can't make it, especially with all these early start times for the tournament, you know, what a great thing to have. And that's SDN Mobile. All right, my man. We appreciate the time as always. We'll let you get back to it. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks. Always enjoy being on with you and uh, enjoy the games, and I'll chat with you next week. You got it. There he is, Chuck Esposito at Sunset Station and uh, just oversees all of the Station Casino's properties. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too, to see what uh, what station casinos and what all the sports and towns do, too, is they're going to have to keep track more and more, too, of, uh, you know, what's going on state by state. And with all these leagues, uh, as far as we know, that Texas has said that their the, the mask requirement is now going by the wayside. Mm-hmm. The state's 100 percent open. Does that change lines in that when it comes to the hockey teams and the basketball teams and things like that, if they're going to actually start letting full arenas in place again and different things like that? So, you know, I mean, it's we know that there's a little bit of difference here and there with, you know, like the Golden Knights, 15 percent capacity, the Speedway 20. But if some of these states are going to start literally opening things up again and all of a sudden you're going to have 100 percent full stadiums in one place and zero fans in another place. How does that affect numbers and different things out there? There's more to it than ever for these uh, the sports lines and all that kind of stuff to consider when you're making wagers these days. Yeah, that's true. And we see that every state is basically, you know, they're deciding whatever they want to do. And again, again, there's a lot of people in Texas that are saying, hey, uh, we, we don't want to get back to this. But, you know, a lot of people said, hey, we're tired of it. You know, no mass, whatever. And we see the NIT is relocated from New York you to uh, the state of Texas. I mean, that's crazy. And again, I think you're going to see more and more, you know, numbers and more and more, you know, uh, other sporting events like boxing and, and I don't know about UFC, but you know, they're they're going to start going more and more to Texas when they see that hey, you know, they're going to allow us to be there and this and that. It's all about the almighty dollar. It's all about the revenue and and again, every day we're hearing more and more stories about more and more events that are going to the state of Texas. Yeah, absolutely. And Texas, certainly, I mean, you know, now Mississippi, I don't know how many will want to go down there or something, but maybe some smaller fights or some things yep. might be going down there as they're opening up and you're going to see it. And, you know, then everyone's going to have an eye on these states. Um, Are we going to see an uptick again? Is it okay? A lot of people are acting like this is all under control and <laughs> there's still a lot of stuff out there. There's still a ton of people to be vaccinated, but um. It is kind of interesting. I know I was watching the news last night, and on the rant again, some of the callers saying, oh, I'm tired of Vegas. I'm moving to Texas. I'm like, yeah. y- you know what? Those are the same people that said, you know, if, if the guy that I vote for president doesn't win, I'm going to move to Canada or something. You know, sh- then just shut up and move, okay? Because you're not doing it. You're not selling your house and everything because I don't have to wear a mask or something. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that kind of irritates me. These people. It's an idle threat. Okay, if you're that unhappy... Leave. Go. Maybe one neighbor will miss you. Most aren't going to. If you don't want to be here, get the hell out. It's a free country. All right. When we come back, we've got college basketball news to talk about. Disturbing story that we are going to touch on. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Oh, for crying out loud. The The doctor. doctor. You watch your language on the air. T.C. Martin. All right, make sure you check out our good friend Rob Van Dam, RVD's CBD company. Yes, that's where you go. Go to the website, rvdcbd.com, offering a 21% discount on anything on the website. Just use that promo code TCRVD. Put it in there, 21% discount on everything there. And uh, as you know, when you hear RVD talk about it, very passionate. But again, he's got the creams. He's got everything for you. Uh, the CBD business is off the charts. He's doing great with it. Very happy for him. But again, a very, very affordable prices. And again, if you got some pain, aches and pains in your body, definitely check this stuff out as well, too. It is rvdcbd.com. Check it all out and uh, use that promo code TCRVD for 21% off. 
College basketball last night, very serious story that has broke over the last 24 hours. Creighton coach Greg McDermott under fire for making some racially insensitive comments he made after Saturday's game when they lost to a Xavier. Uh, McDermott has been Creighton's coach since 2010, one of the most successful coaches you know, in the conference and actually in college basketball. Of course, uh, Creighton, a... a a mainstay in the NCAA tournament uh, during his time there and even before McDermott uh, got there. Here was his comment that he said to the guys after their loss in the locker room to Xavier. He goes, guys, he goes, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. So you hear those remarks. That's going to be eyebrow-raising you know, material there. Uh, Creighton assistant coach Terrence Rencher, who is black, tweeted that he was deeply hurt by McDermott's words. Uh, the school said any disciplinary action would remain confidential. So, again, we know that we are in a very sensitive time here. So when you hear that type of, of talk in a locker room to a team from a coach, what do you think? I think Why? I mean, like okay. Why, why did you say it? Right? Why? Why did you say it? Yeah. Why did you use that verbiage? Hmm. You know, uh, we need to all stay together. We need to all even say something like uh, "stay on the farm" or something like that. Which, uh, uh, why would you say plantation? Hmm. And and then to double down on it and say it a second time, it doesn't make any sense hmm. to me. It wouldn't have made sense to me forty years ago, and in nowadays, it, it makes it makes zero sense. You know what your words are a little bit. I'm not saying that he had it all written down and that he rehearsed it or something, but we make mistakes on the air. You do every time. You, you move on. You, you say a name wrong or something, something goes a little bit awry. You kind of just move on past it. But generally when you do something like that, I don't know about you, but I think we're in the same boat here. When you do it in the back of your mind, you kind of immediately go, damn, why did I say that? But then you move forward. For him to say it and then repeat it a second time, I totally don't get it. Yeah. Again, in a situation like that, when you're talking to your team and you're addressing a team after a loss, okay, I could speak from experience with that, obviously not at the college level, but high school level and et, et cetera, that it, you have to always choose your words carefully. And it's there, the heat of the moment to a certain extent. Big time. It's, 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 it's heat of the moment. Now you've got a chance to cool down a little bit because you're talking to your team literally five to ten minutes afterwards and he's trying to say okay guys we got beat down today and they did they got beat down by Xavier they were never in that game against Xavier and they battled back but still Xavier won that game and the game was on the road and now you got to tell your team okay we've got to start preparing we got Villanova coming up and uh, we're getting ready for our conference tournament the NCAA tournament so you got to kind of build your guys back up again very easily he just could have said that okay you know, we got to stick together. We got to dig down. We got to start working harder. All right. If he would have used the term farm instead of plantation, we're not even having this conversation today. Right. And that's why I said he yeah. could have said that. I could mean, have he said could, farm, could have said anywhere. I mean, okay, it's Creighton, it's in Omaha, Nebraska. Plantation, no. Farm, definitely yes. Or, you know, on the plains or anything you, you could say. But to go there, I mean, that's not something that I know I have in my vocabulary even, you know, would remotely go to. And again, when you hear stuff like this, it's like, okay, 
you're going to say something out of reference usually, something that you say a lot, especially when you're talking to your team. It's a lot of repetitiveness, you know, from when you're teaching and you're doing the X's and O's and you're trying to give pep talks and or you're trying to discipline a player. A lot of it is you've been through it over and over again. So, again, this couldn't have just come out of, you know, the back of his crawl or, you know, this is something that – that he's used before. And, and that's what a lot of people are saying right now. I, I heard some analysts on different channels on, on ESPN, on TNT, and Fox and different things when they were discussing this. And the thing was they were like, I'm not necessarily so upset that he said it once, but it makes me wonder how many times did he say similar things that we don't know about or how many times does he say it behind closed doors or in his close-knit group or something like that. Because like you said, and I know that sometimes you want to change the verbiage too, like you said, when you've given a speech a hundred times and you want to get something to catch somebody's attention or something. But you still have to be judicious and intelligent and think it out. You know, Think before you hit send, think before you speak also. How you come up with using plantation during that speech is, is to me, mind-boggling. Yeah. And, and like I said, to say it twice in the same statement, mm-hmm. I just I, I don't understand it. I can't mm-hmm. comprehend it. I kind of wish there would have been cameras in that locker room so mm-hmm. we could have seen the faces of the players and the coaches because some of them must have been going, wait, what did he just say? And yeah. then when he said it a second time, they must have been going, oh, hell no. Yeah, and so we have some player reaction. But first I'll, I'll get back to the, the, the word plantation. I mean – that does, you know, resonate with slavery. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, plain and simple. And if you look at the makeup of Creighton's team, it is about half white, half black. Again, you have a couple assistant coaches that are black. McDermott is white. Uh, so McDermott realized, you know, what he said. He uh, apologized to his team the next day. And he said that, um, you know, he offered his resignation and he said that the players came back and said, no, coach, we don't want you to quit. But uh, So they played Villanova, went on the road last night to play Villanova. Uh, McDermott was on the sideline, and when the team went out for its pregame warm-ups, then they went back into the tunnel. So when they went back into the tunnel about you know 15 minutes prior to tip-off, uh, he had his hand out, fist-bumping every player as they went back into the locker room leaving the floor, and all but one player gave him a fist bump. So that tells you that at least one person, you know, was not on board yeah. with that. Still visibly upset. Still visibly upset regarding that. Now, all of this had a huge effect on the game last night. I mean, this was a huge game. It was definitely probably the, the game of the night last night, you know, Creighton against Villanova uh, for the Big East regular season title. And last night, I watched a little bit of this game, and, you know, Creighton hit the first three. Next thing you know, boom, here comes Villanova, and they score the next 15 points. Uh, and they were trailing by 19 in this game, and they were really never in this game, kind of like you know the, the game Saturday at Xavier. So this visibly upset the team. Final score was Villanova. You know, they jumped all over Creighton last night, and they ended up winning 72-60. to 60. And like I said, uh, McDermott uh, realized what he said, apologized, offered to resign, but according to, to what he said, the team said that they did not want him to quit, but Creighton University right now is really not saying what his discipline is going to be. It's going to be some form of discipline, whether it's a dock of pay, maybe some suspension. Some we have no idea. Probably some community gonna, service or something. Yeah, thrown exactly. in. But they want to keep this uh, confidential. But not not a good story, especially when you're having a great season, a very good season, 
and you're one of the favorites, you know, in your conference, and you're trying to build momentum for your conference tournament because that Big East man, you know, there goes a lot of of good teams, a lot of tough teams, and you got to bring your A game every night. Believe me, you know how this goes, man. Just because it's college basketball, people are thinking, oh, no, these there'll be stuff uttered underneath people's breaths, you know, during games. There's going to be some jabs about, you know, other players at the free throw line or start getting heated and something like that. Oh, you're playing for your coach, your plantation coach, huh? I mean, all that kind of stuff. That stuff goes on, especially when the stakes are at its highest. So not a good time for this uh, story to break. Not a very good time for Greg McDermott to, to decide to use this type of thing. You know what? This might not be over because, as we know with social media, and especially when you're you know, using something racial like this, it would not surprise me that something happens here in the next 24 to 48 hours where they let him go. Well, none of that, but even if they don't let him go, it certainly wouldn't surprise me to all of a sudden see other people come out and say, yeah, three years ago he said a statement like right. that to me, or he did this or that. Uh, you know, you mentioned that one player openly didn't give him the fist bump. Well, now you also have to go in your mind. It's like, well, how many other ones did it just as a courtesy to show that they are still a team, but they have a problem with the two, but they didn't want to openly display it there in the tunnel during the game and show it. But there still could be something there. And then you know for a fact that when it comes to recruitment, other coaches are now going to be telling players, you really want to go to that team? Right. You really want to go to the plantation and play basketball? Because, you know, we, we run a fair, open, honest society here in our gym. You know, so you know that there's other repercussions coming down from other coaches, from people recruiting other kids to why they shouldn't go there. I mean, you're right. This isn't over yet. I'm just curious to see because a lot of times when something with this starts, it's the first domino and then – Will there be other incidences that are brought up now from other people down the road saying, well, yeah, he always talks like that, or he said stuff like that before he's done stuff, or maybe a kid that didn't go there because he heard him say it under his breath to somebody else or something. We don't know, but if this is the first time he's ever used it, that would be an incredible shock and probably is not the case. I'm not saying it's totally not, but it's probably not. And I don't know if he's going to lose his job or not because when we go back and we look at other instances similar to this in these, in these type of, of situations, you look at the Iowa situation with Fran McCaffrey. Okay, Fran McCaffrey has been a hot-headed coach for a long time, and he said some really bad things going back to, to last year. And people thought, okay, he's going to get reprimanded and he's going to be gone, but he ended up keeping his job, and look look how well Iowa is playing right now. Uh, you know, with the Will Wade situation, LSU, same thing. Oh, this guy, he's done, he's gone, or whatever. Then, okay, well, we're going to bring him back. It's, it's really strange how case by case that some universities will, will handle this internally, put up with it, give the person a second shot, even though social media and everybody will just go crazy. It seems like more in the professional ranks that – that they have less tolerance for this. And I don't know why that is, but it, it, it seems that's the case because anytime somebody mouths off or says something, okay, boom, they're gone. Whether it's an owner, whether it's a general manager, a coach, or even a player. 
Yeah, I, the only thing that I can say, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just kind of spitballing off right, the top right. of my head, maybe at the professional level because there's so many corporations and sponsors and different mm-hmm. things and that kind of stuff, we know that money talks. And if they're afraid of any kind of controversy, they just want to distance themselves from it immediately. In college basketball and in college sports a lot, if you're winning in that and you still have the backing of the boosters and the community in that, you can get a lot of things done. Look what's going on in Texas with football right, right. now and some of the stories down there about things of with the eyes of Texas. Look at all the stuff that Bobby Knight got away with forever at Indiana. Yeah. Now, I know it's a different time right. and a different culture. And you don't get away with as much now. But it seems like it's kind of like a community-based thing and boosters and that kind of stuff. And if you're really liked in that, uh, you know, then maybe you get a little bit more leeway and, and, they, and they, let, they let it go a little bit more. But if they think that there's going to be a negative effect overall or something and they got to nip it quick, then they're going to do that as well. Sean Miller, perfect example at Arizona. I mean, everyone thought this guy's going to be gone for, you know, the recordings that took place, you know, here at, uh, in, in Vegas mm-hmm. and, you know, the allegations and all that kind of stuff. And then he still has his job. Same thing with Bill Self. We heard that, you know, during the offseason. Well, Bill Self, I mean, you know, he, he's involved in all these recruiting violations as well, too. They have it on tape. You know, this, these are court cases that are involved, guys that, that kept their jobs. So, yeah, great, uh, you know. Mm, just debates here, you know. We'll see what ha- what happens. Okay, uh, Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim chided a reporter uh, after last night's win over Clemson. Uh, Matthew Gutierrez, who covers the Syracuse basketball program uh, for the Athletic, tweeted that the Orange would be uh, somewhere around seventeen and five overall. And uh, it actually in the field of 68 for March Madness, if reserves Jesse Edwards and Cotteray Richmond had played more. So Jim Beheim took it upon himself, uh, even though we had heard stories that that the reporter from The Athletic apologized to Beheim, and according to the reporter from The Athletic said, okay, yeah, yeah, we're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Well, here's Beheim at his press conference last night. I think we have gotten better as a team, and... Uh... I think it's hard to go nine and seven in this league. I think this is a difficult league, very difficult. And uh, I think these guys have done a great job this year. Next but, question but, but if I had played Jesse and Kadari, we'd probably be 22 and two now. I just didn't see that. And I couldn't figure that out by myself after 45 years. I need a reporter to figure that out who's never played basketball and is five foot two. There's Jim Beheim taking a little shot there. So thoughts? Well, it's definitely a, it, it's definitely direct, it's, it's not a little shot. It's a direct hit at the guy. Well, big time. Saying, uh, "I need a re- I've been doing this for 45 years. I need a reporter who's never played the game and is five foot two to tell me how to coach and play the game." So yeah, I mean that that's definitely a a, a big shot at him. And you know what? I mean, re- reporters sometimes, you know, they're going to go out there. They're going to give their opinion. I mean, it's some of us, you know, some people just kind of report the stories. Some report on them and give their insight and stuff like that. But um, Bayheim obviously not too happy with oh. them. But you know what? I, I don't think there's a coach in the world that hasn't been second-guessed. Hmm. But after 45 years, I think what Bayheim is basically saying is, Know your role, Jabroni. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. I don't respect you. You know, plain and simple. So and apparently, the reporter thought these guys were. You know, it was behind them, but it wasn't behind Beheim, not at all. So, 
Five uh, foot two though. Wow, is that a good one? M- Monty Tao looks down on him. Yeah, I, I, I don't. <laughs> the guy has to be more than five two. I have to check that out. But uh, just uh, so I was looking at the stats here. Oh, uh, Edwards has averaged two points per game, and Richmond's averaged seven points per game. Oh, last night in the victory over Clemson, they combined for five. So. I don't think Beheim needs these guys, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, you know, Beheim made some other comments last month, if you remember. Jalen Johnson, who we've talked about, who left the Duke program to get ready for the NBA draft, uh, his quote uh, uh, to a reporter was this. He says, you know, Johnson is hurting them uh, to a team that has become better without him. And then Jay Billis, the former Duke alumni who does a great job with ESPN, of course, with college basketball, fired back at Beheim. Beheim actually had this to say a couple days ago. He said, I haven't even seen this Jalen Johnson play this year. To be honest, he's a tremendous player. Probably he'll be a great pro. I just made that observation. It was my opinion that I thought they played better without him in the past two games. Jay Billis said that I said they're a better team without him permanently. He goes, I didn't say that. I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) So, again, but... Why did people get all riled up about that? Well, because that's what they do, yeah. and you know, and that's what they. And, and let's face it, I mean, Duke, Syracuse, Bayheim, Coach K, and that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of rivalry there than that. And Bayheim's another one. He's had some controversy over the years here oh, and there. Yeah. That, and he certainly wrote it all out. That's why he's been there for 45 years. But there's been a little bit of uh, some rough season. His. Not only coach. that, remember last year he, he was driving home and had a glass of wine and, and, and killed somebody, right? You know, uh, you know, dr- driving home, you know, from for, from from a game, and he wasn't found guilty of that. But uh, yeah, he's he said some things, he's done some things, and been involved in some things. We'll just leave that at that. All right. And he doesn't even know the game of basketball. Yeah. He doesn't know that the reserves should be starting, yeah. and that you know, he obviously doesn't know anything about Duke's program. Yeah. Yeah. Only been doing it for 45 years, so who knows? I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, I want to thank TJ Reeves for joining us from Tampa. Also, Chuck Esposito at Sunset Station. Tomorrow, we're at the Cosmopolitan. The big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright will join us. We'll see if uh, USF lives to play another game. They play tonight at 6 o'clock. They kick off the WCC tourney. Well, they'll definitely live to play another game. We just don't know if it'll be this season. Yeah, all right. very, very nice. <laughs> All right, I want to thank you for joining us. If you miss any part of the show or anything, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.